This is Hope FM. Mary Ann Robertson, good morning. Good morning, Ian. Uh, well, of course, they always say that there is a book in everybody. The problem is not many people get round to writing it. Uh, Dan, have you started your book yet? Yep. <laughs> Do you want to know what it's about? <laughs> uh, well, you've managed to actually start that and written a book, which is called... It's on a post-it note. Oh, yes. Well, that's good to have. <laughs> that's as far as I've got. But Marianne's book is called Letters from Argentina. So why did you write the book? I wrote the book because um, my father went to Argentina when he was just 20 years old. Um, and he went to... Um, look at the meat trade actually because his father was a butcher Um, but he loved the land and he ended up working on cattle ranches and staying out there for a long time Um, came back for the war but while he was there he wrote amazing letters to his father and uh, a few years ago I found the letters I knew they were there but you know I hadn't read them all Um, and I discovered the letters and sat and read them and thought I have to go. I have to go and experience this place that he loved so much. So were there many letters? Yes, <laughs> there were many, many letters, um, all written, handwritten on full scat paper, some of them six pages long. So it took a long time to transcribe those letters. <laughs> Um, well, of course, we've got too used to emails and stuff like that. So it, it's quite difficult almost to comprehend that people were writing letters, which wouldn't have got here quickly. No, there's a number of times where he'll say no letters from you this week when, he, when his father used to write back to him or received three letters this week. Um, so it was very Dependent, And I think there's one where he said um, the letter came in a bit of a mess because the plane had a crash <laughs> um, and it had been wet. But um, he still got the letter, which is better than sometimes our postal system today. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued because of all the places he could have gone as an adventure, Argentina is probably not the one that would have come to mind for me. I would probably have gone uh, somewhere in Europe. So you hinted at why there was a connection with Argentina. So explain that a bit more. Yeah, his his father was a butcher. And so um, there was that connection because obviously they were importing meat from Argentina. But also the fact that um, Argentina was the land of opportunity at that time. And there were many, many young people going out to Argentina to start a new life. Um, and as a bit of an adventurer, that seemed like his greatest ambition, as he put it in one of the letters, um, was to see this country. But he, he didn't even imagine when he went the absolute vastness of the place. So did he know anybody when he went there? He had a, a number of um, names of people to look up that his father had given to him through the milk, meat marketing board and things. Um, I mean, he he tried to look at one person and he wrote back and said, uh, there's no point looking him up because he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there were a number of names that he had and he did meet people very quickly. Um, One family in particular, the McCardys, were a Scottish family and they sort of took him under their wing when he was there in those first few weeks and, and that was really helpful to him. So when he gets out there... This place is not highly civilised. It's a bit barren and ranchers that dispersed all over the place. It must have seen a big contrast to the Birmingham area. Yes. I mean, Buenos Aires was very busy. 
Um, but once he got out to the cattle ranch, you are literally miles and miles, like 800 miles from Buenos Aires, um, stuck in somewhere that is really just a cattle ranch and there is nothing else. Um, so it's a very, very different life and a really hard life. Um, but he loved it. He loved riding every day. He loved rounding up cattle and, and just getting to know the place. He struggled a little bit with learning the Spanish, which was essential because nobody out there spoke English. So he was a bit of a cowboy. He was. <laughs> well, they would have called it gaucho. Right. OK. And um, and so even though he was out there for a long time, he, he went out there before the war. Um, sort of 1938 uh, and then spent time there almost after the war had started of course as well um, so he, he wrote letters but did the letters imply that he was enjoying it? Yeah very much so he um, he wrote he tried to write every single week. I think um, to the, towards the end of his stay, he didn't quite manage that. But most of the time, it was weekly letters. Um, he absolutely loved the life, um, had lots of adventures, you know, things that we wouldn't, th- you know, he just sort of all casually mentioned, you know, got thrown off a horse and um, breaking cattle, uh, in a, dehorning cattle. He, he just loved the land and loved being out there. So very much enjoying it and wanting to stay. He also says in, in a couple of the letters, um, for somebody that's really a tough cowboy, um, it, it really touched my heart because he'll, he'll wax lyrical about the sunrises and sunsets, which is something I've always loved as well. So um, that really spun a chord with me. So... If he worked in this country, his father was a butcher, going out there, he had to learn a lot of new skills. Um, Yeah, I mean, he had quite a lot of skills um, through the butcher's trade because he's worked in his father's shop, Um, but very, very different skills. Um, He did actually really make his mark with the gauchos when they decided to kill a pig. Um, and they were making a real mess of it. And he was, at that time, quite new on the ranch, and they sort of looked at him a bit as if he was just um, a bit useless. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> of course, he was getting very frustrated at the mess they were making of sorting this pig out. So he stepped in and did it and butchered it and cut it up and did all the things that a, a good trained butcher would do. And it gained him a huge amount of respect. So um, that sort of put him on the map with them and, and I think stood him in good stead for the future. So we talked about letters that he wrote. It would be very appropriate if you could just read us a section from one of the letters from the book. Yeah, just um, <clears throat> this one was written in 1939. Um, and <clears throat> he's saying, um, please excuse the paper with lines, but I've run out of writing paper and the boss doesn't leave his where I can find it anymore. Um, Did a bit of bronco busting this week. Some colts were being broken in for saddle horses. Um, They're handled a lot before being ridden, so the bucking wasn't up to rodeo standard. On Wednesday, I had a horse go down under me. We were chasing a cow at full speed and he stumbled and went over, but he threw me clear. Horses get up and stand still after a fall. Would be just too bad if they ran off. I was about four miles from the estancia and I wouldn't have fancied walking. On Sunday, a large swarm of locusts came and settled all around the estancia. Thought there was a lot, but didn't realise until Monday how bad they were. For about three miles, there was just one black mass. 
branches were broken off trees with the weight of them and our horses walked on a carpet of them. And about 10 o'clock, after they'd got warmed up, they started to fly. It was awful. The things were kept flying in our faces. They were crawling on our clothes and on our horses. They made the sky dark for about two miles, did a lot of damage to the crops. You have to see it to believe it. Millions and tens of millions of them. Monday, a chap got thrown and landed headfast in a, first in a muddy pond. Tuesday, another horse down, but I wasn't hurt. Well, that's about the lot. The cattle show at Palermo and Buenos Aires is on this week, but unfortunately I can't get there. I've read about it in the papers, but that's not the same as seeing it. Please excuse the shortness of this letter. Cheerio. Love you, Doug. Well, most of us have lost the knack of writing letters. He's got a very good way of describing virtually every detail on that. Yeah, I think um, the thing I loved about his letters is it was like hearing him speak. And as I sat and read them, it was just like hearing my father talk to me again. Um, I could hear his voice. That's brilliant. So for him, uh, it was a great adventure and what better track to play than yesterday, Stephen Curtis Chapman with The Greatest Adventure. Settle up your horses. This is Hope FM. And that, of course, was Stephen Curtis Chapman with The Great Adventure. And we're talking to Marianne Robertson uh, about her book, Letters from Argentina. And uh, she's been talking about the great adventure that her father Douglas went on in going to Argentina and becoming a cowboy. So that's your dad going out there. And so you decided to go out and follow in his footsteps. So tell us how you got that together yeah um when i read the letters uh, i mean i was um just before my 60th birthday really um uh, so a little bit older than he was going out there at 20 but um i thought yeah i'm gonna go and made the decision and just booked a ticket um it was uh, a bit of a snap decision i wanted to get to the ranch where my father had spent um three years after the war with my mum because he got married during the war um, they had a baby girl my elder sister Jane and they went back to Argentina and he was very very happy I always felt he left his heart in Argentina unfortunately my dad died when I was 17 so I I didn't get to know him as an older man um, but I thought yep yeah, I can do it I couldn't find or couldn't get access to the ranch because it had been bought up by Perron's men um, back in the, the war days, really, and um, it had become a military place. Um, and we kept being told that you have to get permission from the commandant and uh, that was not easy to get and not possible. And all my efforts failed. So I abandoned that idea and uh, various circumstances came together and I ended up in a cattle ranch that was in northern Patagonia that's literally five hours from the nearest small town and three <laughs> of those hours on a horse. Uh, so th very remote. Th that sounds a great adventure in its own right. Now, I know in order to get there, once you got into Argentina and all the rest of it, um, things didn't go entirely smoothly, did they? 
No, they didn't. I, I spent a week in Buenos Aires um, with a friend of mine dancing tango, which was amazing. Absolutely loved doing it. It was great fun. But then we parted company, um, she to come back to England and myself to go to the bus station to get on an overnight bus to Patagonia, the other side of Argentina. Um, and I was robbed outside the bus station in the street um, with what was called the bird poo trick. I suddenly seemed to have got spattered by a large amount of bird poo, um, but it wasn't. Somebody had thrown that on me and his um, accomplice was being very helpful and, you know, offering to give me a tissue and trying to help me. But then while she was distracting me, he just swooped in and tore my pack off me. My, my sort of, I was wearing my backpack on my front like you're supposed to, but he managed to pull it off me and ran. So, yeah, I was really shocked and very scared. Um, but, and, and part of me, I, I have a very strong Christian faith, and part of me had been sort of saying, you know, God, look after me, because I'm really scared when I was sort of walking around outside the bus station. And then I get robbed. So there was a bit of me that was going, what are you playing at, God? You're supposed to be looking after me. But as I'm stood there, this person came up to me. He'd also been robbed. Um, uh, and he, he was just a traveller, but he sort of wheeled me into a cafe and sat me down and said, look, we're not hurt. You know, we could have been hurt. We're not hurt. They're just things. Um, you'll be fine. And then I also had a phone number of um, a, a friend's sister who worked in Buenos Aires, and she said, if you're ever in problems in Buenos Aires, ring her. So I did. And she literally was five minutes away from where I was. Amazing. And she turned up. So I think even though I was robbed, I felt like God was looking after me. I had these two people that were like angels. They, they just took care of me in that period of time. And she stayed with me and put me on the bus, um, which I was very grateful for because I was still very shaken up. But that robbery meant in a really strange way that I actually did get to my father's ranch and I never would have got there had I not been robbed so all things work together for good for those that love the Lord uh, so following in your father's footstep you get to these ranches you get to ride horses you are going out in remote places well that's that's all good but uh, was it for you a time of reflection as well I mean obviously you reflected about your father and you'd lost him when you were younger so so there were lots of memories uh, that you had and memories from the letters. But a time of reflection for you? Yes, it was. Um, I had gone out thinking that this would be some great epiphany from God of, of what my future would be. Um, but it wasn't like that at all. The, mo the most impressive thing for me was that uh, I realised my mother had gone out there with him. When he met my mum, she was on the stage singing in Ronnie Scott's in London. She was a star. Um, and she had given all of that up to go to Argentina with her new husband. And um, I don't think she could have possibly known what she was letting herself in for. <laughs> but living out there in that remoteness, I suddenly realised, my goodness, it's not easy. It is not easy. There were many, many times where I was very, very frightened and scared. Um, and it's feel the fear and do it anyway because you don't have a choice. And it really simply is that. You do just have to get on with it. But it's surprising how quickly you adapt and learn. And, uh, and I found that in just a few short weeks... I was m really relaxed and really enjoying and just being. 
Well, letters from Argentina, letters from your father, but of course then this book contains letters from you that you wrote home. So tell us about those. Um, when I told my family I was going, I mean, the children were uh, somewhat shocked and surprised and a little bit worried about their mum trailing across Argentina on her own. Um, but once we'd established that it was happening, they asked me to write letters to them in a book because obviously I wasn't going to be able to post them. Um, so I did while I was there. I literally wrote my story in a book. And, uh, and so when I came back, I just thought, well, I want my family, I want my kids and I want my brother's kids and sister's kids to know my dad and, the, and I want him to know him through his letters. And I want to use my letters as well. So the book is literally a collection of his letters and my letters. And so being out there, what did it do for your Christian faith? I think the most interesting thing, I mean, there was sort of feel the fear, but, you know, it, it, it was also um, a time of, of real reflection on my mum and and getting to know her. And through that, understanding myself better and understanding how God had made me into the person that I am and had put all the different giftings and the different characteristics into me that I have, which I had not always recognised. Um, so it, it was very good for that. It did, um, I suppose, in, this, in a way, it strengthened my faith. It just was an incredible experience to have done it and felt that I'd, I'd sort of achieved this thing at nearly 60 years old, which was great. Uh, well, the book is called Letters from Argentina by Marianne Robertson and Douglas Gordon Arnold. Uh, where can people get copies? It's on Amazon. Right. Uh, so really easy. You just put in the title or put in my name and it will pop up. And uh, and I didn't do it to make money. I did it so that the, the family would be able to have my dad's history. Um, and so it is only £5 on there because I kept it as absolutely cheaply as they would allow me to do. 90.1 Hope FM and HopeFM.com.